Do not open this door. I had to say it anyway because it doesn't make sense in the movie. And then I got on top and I spit into his mouth. Well, it doesn't ruin my story. It just it just makes it a conversation rather than a story. Perhaps a little drunk <laughs> no. from from the day's festivities. I would love to meet the woman who likes it. Oh, I freaking thought the moon landing. I, I love the moon landing from the standpoint of I believe in the moon landing. I have never once in my life uh, heard even a portion of a George Clinton and Parliamentary Funk song ever. Ever at all. I mean, not even... I wouldn't... If you played a, a P-Funk song for me, I wouldn't know it. Uh-huh. But I do know this. Every time I see a picture of George Clinton, he's old. He's got a, 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 he's cr- look, yeah. a crazy... What do you call it? The, the hair, the, 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 the... mullet thing. Dreadlock. Dreadlocks, that's right. right. Oh, oh yeah, God, you remember right. that dreadlock we saw at the, at the Django I fest? I never in my <laughs> life will forget that fucking It was thing. a single... It was like a character out of a, looked, a Star Wars movie. It looked like the back of his head was shitting a big hair. Well, yeah. With, and like he, a, he like was a, bald a on top. Yeah. And just out the back was like a plug. It was like... It was like a, what's the movie? Avatar. But, but, but with Rasta. Mm. Yeah. And... Plugs. and I could not. I I could not stop laughing. I don't know if you yeah, remember that part. I, I literally had to turn my body away from him because every time I looked at him, I laughed until I cried. I hate situations during. <laughs> that's happened to me during a play too, and terrible. I was in the front row, and it's mm-hmm. like you you get the laughs, and yeah. you you're like, oh, they're gonna think I'm laughing at them, and I'm not. But I but the more I think about it, the more I I can't stop doing it. Yeah, I think I think he got. I think he started trip. He kind of tripped to the the notion that maybe I was laughing. I don't. But I just. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, like even when I think about it, like just like there's so many angles to that. Like imagine, like having no friends who could tell you to fix that shit. Like well, that's or, bad. or who want to. Maybe he just he hangs with the same group of people who would think that singular. Right. That's another. Again, I oh keep my losing. God. What do you call it? The hair. What is it? Uh, dreadlocks. Dreadlock. Yeah. It's, it's dreadlock. Singular. Fucking like five. Yeah. Like three. It's five foot. Come on. It might have like three foot. It like, might have been five feet. <laughs> it's like crystal gale dreadlock. Is, this motherfucker loved that bad idea so long yeah. to make that happen. It was so crass. Well, how do you when mm. how do you make the decision? I mean, once you're in it, you know. Anyway, George Clinton. One of the easiest I know of. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know anything about George Clinton. But every time I see him, I'm like, this guy's old, and he's a fucking party for sure. He's a party, George oh, yeah. Clinton. And then you have Bill Clinton. And I know a lot more about Bill Clinton, and I know this. He parties differently. Like he knows how to do it, like a politician. Like ah, oh, you rascal. Yeah. Yeah, he knows, hey, he you knows, rascal. He knows the toast points are for the caviar. But backstage at a Bill Clinton and backstage at a George Clinton, it's the, it's a similar party happening. I mean, you know, maybe. Okay. I mean, come to find out that like, maybe George Clinton is like a, like a secret Christian the last thirty years. <laughs> he's like fucking Ted Nugent. He's like or the Bill t- Clinton. He's, he just looks like a crazy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's reading the good book every night. Nothing. All right. All right, now you got you got Elizabeth Taylor, okay, and you got Rip Taylor. Now Elizabeth, Hello. Rip Taylor is is literally a, 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 a overtly gay, horrible, a toupee, weird mustache, confetti throwing, not comedian, but almost like a funny MC. He was, he on, was one ahead. of those seventies like like Buddy Hackett, like that, yep. their idea of what comedy was back then, a very like yeah pre. I never remember the fucker's name. Like, uh, how to relax your coat. Lenny Bruce. He's a pre, like, Lenny Bruce sort of a comic. I, I think, think he's after Lenny Bruce. No, yeah, I'm saying, but, like, but, but Lenny Bruce did. Oh, Cat Skillish. 
Yeah, well, yeah, Catskill-ish, like clean for TV for what <laughs> yeah. counted for TV. You know, but he was well, he was in Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Do you remember that show? I do not. It was horrible. But he did the same thing. He never acted. He would just come through whatever he was doing oh, and go, hello, and, just be him, right? <laughs> and he would literally, he wasn't like, I'm not, this isn't a metaphor. He would throw confetti wherever he went. Oh, glitter, glittery right. confetti. And, and by the way, this was just, just for context in case we do get a younger person. This yeah. was back when being gay was in and of itself funny. Yeah, no. Well, that even happened. I was watching Friends not that long ago. That was happening in the 90s still. Like, yeah, he might be. I grant you, but I think it's kind of off the table. But it was like Paul Paul Lynn was that way, too, and everything. But but Rip Taylor, then you got Elizabeth Taylor, and, and it's like... what? How Those two couldn't be any different. But in a way, Elizabeth Taylor began to resemble Rip Taylor. Like, the older she got, she became kind of a weird, weirdo, pudge face. You know, mm-hmm. she looked like she was wearing a wig. Okay. Yeah, well, she got old, <laughs> <All right. laughs> which I guess is where we're going with that. Because that's well, you got Rip yeah. Taylor was kind of professionally looked old. You got George long fucking time. Washington, and then you got Boom Boom Washington from Welcome Back Carter, right? Now Boom Absolute Boom Washington, what are you doing? Right now, hold on a second. <laughs> right there, that's quite Sarah a rough Tom. <laughs> now, Let's I start off this essay with something nothing to do with this. No, Ish. you're wrong. You're wrong. George Washington. I mean, we have the mythology. Can't tell a lie. Wooden teeth. By the way, not wooden teeth. Nope. Teeth of slaves. Yuck. And whales and all kinds of weird shit was in his mouth at once. And so there's like, a broken connection there with Boom Boom Washington. But Boom Boom Washington was, you know, I would say he was the most solid, stable member of the the, the Sweat Hogs we're talking about. I was going to say, they did, 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 does it hurt your premise in any way that I have no fucking idea who that was? Boom Boom Washington is, you got John Travolta, you got Horshack, you I know got the, Juan I know Epstein. the Sweat Hogs now, but okay, I so Boom Boom was not aware that was a name. All right. Okay. How some ever. Catherine Hepburn and Audrey Hepburn. Yes. Okay, so I'm always, it's like you got the two Hepburns, Catherine and Audrey, and it's like, well, that's the end of it. It's their name. You would think, because first of all, Catherine Hepburn is like, along with Betty Davis, she's kind of like the Meryl Streep of her time. Okay. Okay. But but so, uh, and Audrey Hepburn, I mean, God bless her. She, uh, no one would accuse her of being like the greatest method actress of all time. No. Um, Although we're going to talk about Aud- that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Audrey Hepburn, beautiful. <coughs> Catherine Hepburn. If you like him, that's skinny. She's that, that, she, that was always kind of her thing. Catherine Hepburn, not so beautiful. That was never her crutch. Right. Know, she never relied on that. But I got to tell you this. I'm going to start this way. Here's what they have in common. Zero, and I mean zero, sex appeal. Now, Audrey Hepburn's very beautiful. Yeah, Don't she doesn't do it for me either. But she has n- nothing, and she's put in those roles all the time. So it's like, you know, Paris when it sizzles, Sabrina. You know, she's supposed to be hot, but she's only beautiful and likable and mostly charming. But she's as sexually vibrant as Catherine Hepburn. I'm going to say this. I think, uh, I think you're being a little judgmental there. I think you don't find Audrey Hepburn uh, attractive because, as a rule, I don't think you find 14-year-old girls attractive. Hmm. That's kind of what well, she you're does. Wrong, Tom. <laughs> no, oh, I'm saying that's kind of what she. That was kind of her job was to be the, uh, the kind of the ingenue, like even when she was a, an adult woman, which I think was the beginning of her fucking career. But she was always played the innocent. I mean, that was like 
Okay, back during uh, you know Studio Hollywood, everyone had like mm-hmm. the role that they did. That's sure, what sure. she did. You are something initially. Now she did try to initially. break out of it later on, and we'll talk about it. But but I think that was always kind of her thing. Let's say her career is from 1953 to like 1970. She did a couple of movies afterwards, but mm-hmm. only a couple. So right. let's really call that like 20 year or less period her career. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say for half of it, she she broke out of the thing. And in the beginning, you have Roman Holiday, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. You have Sabrina. You have, I think, the moon is blue. You have funny face. But by the time you get to like charade with with um um what the fuck is his name? Uh, uh Cary Grant. Jim, Jim, Jim. Okay, you're right. I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's she's at least trying to play an adult role. She's out of the and she's not a cupid doll. It's not it's not mm. Marilyn Monroe. She's yeah. just a, like you say, a kind of a girl. Well, but okay, I'm going to go on this one because I was uh, I, I'm kind of half and half in the yeah, same sense are. because of the same person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the person who kind of did the same thing to a certain extent was Grace uh, Grace no. Grace Kelly to a certain extent. She As had Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, so like she she was kind of before Audrey Hepburn, she was sort of fulfilling that role in Hollywood. She played like the innocent, the ingenue. Mostly that was sort of where she comes from. But here's the thing. Yeah. Even when, uh, like, but I find her, first off, much more uh, attractive than I do Audrey Hepburn. She's also very sexual. But, well, there is that. So that's yeah. that's where it becomes, a, that's where it's different. But here's the thing. I think as as boys watching movies, we sometimes forget that beauty is, like, the, there's a type of feminine beauty that appeals to women and draws them into, into crowds. And I think that's what Audrey Hepburn did. My yeah. mom fucking adored her. Every woman I know. Yeah. Absolutely. We have a cousin who's, who's, who's like 30, in her late 30s, who has since a teenager adored uh, Audrey Hepburn. A, yeah. And, 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 so yeah, I get you. I mean, I think I, that's, that's, that was her real appeal. That was her, her marketing yeah. power early on. Yeah. And it and, sounds and like, much, I'm, and actually much later on, too, like all the way through. And it sounds like I'm trying to insult her. I'm not. I no, just no. want to clarify because it's, it's rare that someone is that beautiful. Yeah. But just to, for me, anyway, completely devoid of any sexuality. Yeah, I'll go with you on that, and I'll be—I'll I'll double down on that. I, I feel the, much the same way about um, Catherine Hepburn. Or real, I'll be honest. Let me well, think. Well, Catherine about Hepburn it. is not a looker at all. I mean, she's not even beautiful necessarily. Yeah. I mean, she—you know—she has her own quality, but on it's her not birthday, her looks. when the wind is right, I guess. But that's—you uh, know—that's <laughs> good. I'm just trying to think of other actresses in that category. Yeah, she was like purely, you know. It's beauty. It's like a painting. Her but, acting, yeah. But yeah. It, nothing sexual. And, and and I banged a vase, so yeah. What? <laughs> I, I want to hear vase. more about this. Sorry. Hello, you vase. banged a vase? Yeah. Let's hear about this, please. Well, no, she, she was sitting there looking all sexy. The vase? Yeah. Mm. It really was a one-off you, joke. We could walk away from oh, this right was, fucking now. No, I thought now, there was a story stupid. behind no, I this. I never fucked a vase. Who the fuck could do that? You're, my dick is I'm, not, I'm Irish, buddy. I don't have that... Well, there were vases for single flowers, for like a single carnation or a rose. Yeah, but then I'll have them for, you know, like blades of grass. So, no. All right, easy Walt Whitman. Because you like, just walk in. <laughs> That's what that meant all yeah. this time. Uh, look out, vases. You're just like rubbing your vases. cock on the rim of, a, of, a, of an enormous Ming vase. Hmm, interesting. Anyway, it's clear. So hopefully we go, woo. <laughs> Actually, you could set up a several uh, vases, as you say, oh, with music. different levels of water and, and play mm-hmm. Desperado. That still like fucking lives on in my brain, man. Mm. All right. Okay, so we're talking about Audrey Hepburn, obviously. If it's not obvious, Hepburn Light. And one of the things I want to clear up is that, like, no question, they'll be like this. Wait a minute, what about Breakfast at Tiffany's? And it's like I totally a hundred percent get 
why that in most people's minds should be included. I know that you have something to say about it, but before you do, Tom, um, I think what we're going here is for the range of Audrey Hepburn. And I also think if we really <coughs> wanted to do Breakfast at Tiffany's, we should do it with either Beat the Devil or um, Blood... Uh, uh, what's Capote's other... Uh, oh, in Cold Blood. In Cold Blood. We should do a Capote episode sometime. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. I uh, And I have to say, first off, well, the other problem with Breakfast at Tiffany's is that just there's so much fucking baggage on that thing. There's for you. So many, well, I think it's for you overall in general. I mean, you know, yeah. the fucking employees at Tiffany's in San Francisco, they must fucking hate everybody who just walks in there with like a bagel, you know, first thing in the morning. I mean, there's a, and, there's a mythology around that movie. I know, oh, but it's I so do sad hate that, that movie you and I well. actually think that people are still doing that in, in 2022. But Dude, I think so. Do you think so? I do. I, do. I think right. it's like... Like pass down, like the traveling pants. Well, in a way, I guess we're going to talk about Breakfast at Tiffany's first. Just, just do it really quickly, though, because it's not an official. I do hate that. I do hate that movie because I, I love the book. So yeah, I don't have that kind of attachment to these things, but because it's so different, and of course, yeah, George Papard is not gay in the movie, which is ridiculous. And, right. Well, the whole point of the book it's is made like, up for by Mickey Rooney the, as uh, the neighbor. <laughs> There you go, right there. Like that's half of our conversation. So no, it's actually a good thing we're holding off. Buddy on that. Epson, pre hillbillies, come on, come baby. On now. All right, yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll save that for some other time, some other context. But we're dealing with. Uh, we'll start with her. I think it's her first movie, right? It is her first movie, Roman yes. Holiday. Mm-hmm. I think she was. I think I don't think she was ever. I think oh, she was a model before this. Well, she wasn't oh, an actress at all. She was in a movie, but in in a model fashion. She was in the Captain's Paradise with Alec Guinness. Oh, okay, <clears throat> but as like lady in restaurant who uh, touches his cheek or something like that right and it was a british made film right yeah those so it doesn't count, those don't count. <laughs> <laughs> you have to watch it on the wrong side so this of the is theater. really like her break you know like her breakthrough and it was i think oh, it was sort yeah. of she was billed for this to be her breakthrough you know? and it's like what a breakthrough i mean it's hard to to to, to match in hollywood such a breakthrough such a breakthrough i no, um <laughs> This I like this movie for one thing. I think okay, we were talking about sort of her early persona. Mm-hmm. This movie captures that the best. Yes, ma'am. Okay, don't, don't let these mantidis fool you, baby. <laughs> I'll Grover, press them together into one. <laughs> Grover Cleveland and Grover from Sesame Street. Fucking Sorry. Idiot. All right, uh, Grover Cleveland. Okay. Anyways, and yep. the Indian Cleveland Indians. Okay. Um. So oh. um. No, just uh. This really was like. She's. The one thing that she brings to everything is she's yeah. charming as fuck. Always charming. Yes. And this is one of the most charming movies Hollywood has ever produced. I, I'm Partially gonna, due to her. At least mostly due to her. You I know, this is, uh, I'm but gonna, it also had Gregory Peck, who's also super charming. I, I'm sorry to go off. off oh, Gregory Pecker. Ah, oh, the old Gregory Pecker. <laughs> now, that's a Pecker who could fuck a face. Uh, that's what my dad always called him. Um, uh, by the way, I think to go off uh, on a tangent here again, but 53, <laughs> talk about charming movies. I think two of the most charming movies. Tell me if I'm wrong here. All right, the Wild Bunch wasn't out yet. Buddy. 53 is a Roman Holiday and also Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. There's a charming movie because there's no other reason to like that movie. Yeah, well, <laughs> there is. It. You know, that's the reason. But um, yeah. even though, uh, but um, nah, this is such a this is a better movie movie, and oh, I think sure. a, it's a better movie. Just it, of course it is. Yeah. I'm just saying, even the charm. In, at the enjoyment, level, there's the yeah. charm factor. Right. There's also is she in yeah. the? She's in the Moon Is Blue, isn't she? See, either I've never seen the moon is blue. Well, I couldn't tell you. Now, I, now I'm going to get confused because I know my balls are blue. I'm going to get confused. Come here, Vasey. Here, Vasey, 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 I'm going to get confused ridiculously because in '59, mm. Millie Perkins is the diary of is Anne Frank. Right. And, and the moon is no, no. There's I no thought, connection. I there. thought that was under heaven for a long time. Frank. Did you really? I did. Yeah. Pia Zadora was in the stage play. 
You know this story, this apocryphal story of Pia Zadora and, and the Diary of Anne Frank? No, but I've always loved that name. Go on. Pia Zadora? Yeah. Pia Zadora. It sounds I, like I, a delicious... I like Pia Outadora myself. <laughs> oh! Um, she's, she's in Diary of Anne Frank, and it's like the first a big production of Diary of Anne Frank, and she stinks at it, apparently. Uh-huh. And so it's the final act, and, and the, the, the Nazis get her. The, the Nazis are coming toward the bookcase, and someone in the audience stood up and said, They're in the attic! <laughs> <laughs> But uh, anyway, I I want to say I, I I don't believe that six whole years earlier Millie Perkins could have been in the Moon Is Blue. But the whole thing with the Moon and Blue, I'm going to attribute it. Uh, maybe I should look up um, the Moon Is Blue. Uh, but I'm going to attribute it. Ah, forget it. I'll just pretend like I know. The, the whole thing with the Moon Is Blue is that it contained the word virgin. Hmm. So Audrey Hepburn was saying, I think it was Audrey Hepburn was saying, I think to William Holden. Uh, don't mind me, I'm a virgin. And it was like banned in Boston for that. Back then when you could ban things in Boston for that. I would like to say we were stupid back then, but I think we've held right through to today. By the way, I don't think we've become any less Banned moronic. in Boston is kind of a, an old cliche because ban- Boston used to, you know, the blue bloods of Boston used to ban everything. Yeah, Try no. saying that three times. Well, I don't think that happens anymore. Well, be, but talk about it. I mean, Boy, the most racist city of all time and, and yeah, and, and the crime-ridden city. Oh, and, and the foulest, like, vernacularly. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's got all that. I mean, second only to Philadelphia. Yeah, a real Maybe clock. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, they call themselves mass holes. I mean, come on. What does that tell you? Right yeah, there? Massachusetts. Yep. Anyway. So, uh, Roman Holly. That's a three shits. What are you talking Roman Holly. So, she plays... Uh, uh, oh, we should say something about her before this movie. She is... Let me... Correct me if I have any of this stuff wrong. Okay. So, yeah, the reason she's so small, it's a little bit of the Sammy Davis thing. You know Sammy Davis was small yeah. because... He was on the road with his uncle and his father for years, and mm-hmm. and he was neglected. They were just like, eat Hershey bars and Coca-Cola. We don't give a shit. And so he never grew. He had rickets. Well, she grew up as like a war orphan sort of A thing. Belgian. She's Belgian. Yeah. Or is a it fuck Bel- thing to be to her. Belgianese. Yeah. And, and she... Belgianic. Well, there's two two stories there. One is that she's starving, and that's <laughs> that's why the, the, the her growth is what it was. It was looks like an ottoman on her. The other thing was that her father was accused, and and I think she confirmed as a Nazi sympathizer. Oh, okay. So she spent. A, this is why later on in life, when she got some fame, she became so much of like an Amnesty International type lady. Sure, <clears throat> but very skinny. Got to work off that fucking karma. Yeah, I guess so. so anyway, so so got, got a head like a like a grand piano. Roman Holiday takes place in of all places Rome. A head like a grand piano. <laughs> <laughs> You really, you really keyed into something there. And, and I gather there's a holiday involved as well. Right. So it takes place in Rome. Anyway, so she she is the princess from mm-hmm. I don't know what. I don't remember. Maybe it's unnamed. But she's she's there on a sort of dignitary mission. And, and it's clear that she's every day, all day is just that. Yeah, it's boring. Well, that's, I mean, did you like see The Crown? Overgrownness, you know. No, I didn't see The Crown. No. Okay, well, I mean, what The Crown makes clear, because I consider it a documentary on Netflix called The Crown. With the, about our true leaders. Coleman, okay, Joe, is that is that um, when people ask like what is the purpose of the royal family blah 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 and mm-hmm. it's like I understand the complaint but what the crown makes clear is even if it doesn't have a good purpose the queen is fucking busy I mean yeah. she has a fucking full jo- time job every day well and, and and I think that last queen Queen Elizabeth I mean let's be that one yeah yeah she was great man I think I mean she. I heard somebody describe it recently. She was like the absolute best representative of one of the dumbest jobs on the planet. Yeah. She's pretty good. 
I mean, people say that not about to say me she too. didn't make mistakes. Well, no, yours well, actually has less purpose than hers. <laughs> That's right. It's a good job. I'm TGA. a dumb representative. Yeah. All right. So, so um, uh, uh, it's cl- it's made very clear, and in a brilliant scene, by the way, at the beginning, where she has this sort of I don't know what you call that. It's almost like a, an antebellum dress. You know, this, these sort of yeah, royal yeah, the taff, dress, the giant taffeta bullshit thingies. You you, you picture a cage underneath it, right? right? And and you the like camera. To think so, anyway, William Wyler pans the camera down and she's she's you know there's a line of 3,000 people to see her and she has to shake everyone's hand and say the same thing and William Wyler brings the camera down and she loses one of her shoes yeah and and you see her as uh, as like a dancer type just sort of balleting that foot slowly to find the shoe because it's 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 not permissible to right. say I you know you what have she gonna to do, lift the fucking thing right up, right, right. And, and, and her whole life is, is under a microscope and so she does it's a little bit of shoes of the fisherman now that I think about it, with well, no, those actually were fisherman's shoes under her dress, right there. Anthony Quinn, Is Quinn Anthony, the Eskimo, Anthony Quinn and Audrey Hepburn. Let's go, Joe. Well, this no, is because, a new one. Here's why: because Anthony Quinn in Shoes of the Fisherman, yeah, he right. becomes pope, and then he sneaks out in the middle of the night because he's right. like he wants Prince to be the pauper. Yeah, it's a little bit different because because Quinn is like making this decision, a declarative decision, like I'm going to be among the people. Whereas she's well, she just also like, wanted to go fuck a boy, but you know, sure. Sure. That got left off. That was on the cutting room floor. That's, <laughs> yeah. the, that's the director's cut. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's a good observation, Tom. Yeah, no, so, so, no, it's not worthy, though. <laughs> yeah, well, so so um, uh, Audrey Hepburn is, is um, uh, decides she's tired. She uh, Help me out here, Tommy. She wants she's, to be a teenager. She wants to be a teenager. That's a well, good point. She's barely not a teenager. She wants to go out and have fun. How much? What she does is not fun. See, I wonder it's because designed for grown-ups with ceremony. Because Audrey Hepburn was in movies rather young mm-hmm. and was very famous immediately. I kind of wonder a little bit, uh, uh, and then and then decided to have a fairly limited career. Yeah, I wonder if there's a little bit of that story that was a preface to her own life. I don't know. Although, although according to the biography you read to me just a second ago, I don't think she was treated like a princess early on. She had that to fall back. She had those yeah. memories to fall back on if she That's ever started right. feeling grand or something. That's a good point. So, so the whole premise of this movie really is this. She sneaks away from, mm-hmm. from whatever castle she's staying, right. whatever palace she's staying at in Rome, right. and, and finds her way on to, I think it's a bus stop, right? Where Gregory Peck... He's a, a, a reporter, correct? He's a reporter, yeah, right. and he's got a great friend and Eddie Albert, dun, 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 Eddie Albert, pre-Green Anchors, as his mm-hmm. bearded... It's weird that Arnold made an appearance, but yeah. Yeah, as his bearded um, photographer friend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And really the whole movie now is about like a, a splendid 48 hours yeah. where she is trying to play herself off as an average person to Gregory Peck, right. who m- shortly discovers that this is the princess incognito and there's a story there. Right. I mean, what's, what's, what's possibly disastrous about this as a movie, it's not a disaster, but what could have been disastrous is it's got the same setup of a, a million awful movies where somebody says, you were using me. And the other person says, like, but I fell in love with you in the meantime. Right, right, I mean, right, it's just right, such right. a terrible, hackneyed premise. But it's fucking charming here. And sometimes it works. Like, I mean, come on. It happened one night. That's one of the greatest examples of, of, of a fundamentally similar situation. Except in this one, you no. know, Gregory Peck is pretending not to recognize her. And he's just showing up. The difference with it that happened one night is Claude Colbert is so um, unlikable. Yeah. And and it's an early role reversal where the guy's like, shut up, dunk a donut, you know, <laughs> eat my shoe, you know, and it's right. like you kind of dig the the 
delicious you kind of dig the shoes. juxtaposition there whereas this yeah. one she somehow has to strike this balance of trying to be the every woman the the but princess she has zero fucking experience with. right and so she just has to sort of float on her charm and it's the <laughs> charm that finally gets to him yeah 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 i mean the most un- i mean there's a lot of unbelievable it gets stuff weirdly pedoph- pedophilic at the end there but you know how so well because you know he wants to bone her when she's young I don't know how young she is in this movie. I mean, how young she's supposed to be in this movie. She's a princess, but is she... I somehow she... think she's a teenager. I mean, I'm not saying that's wrong, but, you know. Oh, boy, I just... <laughs> Put that shovel down, Tom. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's yeah, and that's kind of the whole movie. And the whole movie is just, it's just sort of following them around Rome... Him, um, there's a little bit of uh, it happened one night. He's yeah. he's playing little tricks on her and this. Well, night, but... I mean, he's. Yeah, I mean, if if for no other reason than he's playing, you know, basically a, a, like a sassy cub reporter kind of a character, which is yeah. What's his name? Fucking uh, Clark Gable made his living off of that for a while. Of playing either club reporters or <laughs> or gangsters with a heart. Right. In any event, sassy and on top of everything around him. Yeah. You know, and uh, Gregory Peck had a little bit of that, but he had the Gregory Peck version of it. Again, charming. Yeah. He was charming. He's always has been. And I think one of the things, I think this is an interesting case because it's the only one I could really think of. But yeah. this is a case where I think the movie is informed by the environment in which they filmed it. It's famously one of the best film shoots of all time. Or the Why, most what fun. do you mean famously one of the best film shoots of all time? Everybody who was on that thing from the key grip all the way to the stars said it was the most fun they'd ever had doing a movie. What, what, what was, I mean, I believe you, but like, what did they, did they give any details about what's so fun about it? Uh, yeah, and I don't remember any of them. So it was uh, a long time ago that I was watching. Yeah. I, was, I was watching, I think it was like the first time I watched Roman Holiday, and they had like one of those documentaries about it. Oh, yeah. But it was just considered like, just, just it was just a hoot. William Wyler was fun. The cast was fun. Everybody was just having a really good time and, and really getting the most out of a location shoot in Rome. So, yeah. yeah. William Wyler is fun. What did he do? He did. Um, the best oh, years of our pawn lives. Pawnbroker. Pawnbroker. Ben Hur. Did he do the pawnbroker? You just no, kidding I'm me. kidding. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would be great. Best years of our lives. Ben Hur. That is a fun movie. Big Country. Love the Big Country. That's such a great bed. That's such a great, not great movie. Desperate Hours. Yeah. Okay. That's a, those are those are good hours. Kirk Douglas. Frederick Douglas. Sixty minutes of. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, well, they both had that chin. Jesus. Well, socially conscious, both of them. Right. All right. Both oppressed people. Uh, 1960s. Oh, uh, are we done with the Roman holiday? Are we? Well, well, what do we think about Roman holiday? I love the movie, That's and great. and it's cor- it's so corny. It shouldn't work, and it does. Yeah, it's totally deserves its it's a classic for sure. It's totally. a four star movie. Well, some more four star movies like these. See, the the thing is, Sabrina gets a a, a ton of love, but I don't understand. I mean, I can. I can enjoy Again, Sabrina. It's right. fine. It's like the notebook. Sabrina's a little like the notebook. I agree with it's you. The 14 it's the nobody's girl, best movie. It's, no, it's the 14-year-old girl's fantasy of how life needs to work out. The best thing about Sabrina is uh, apparently the, the <laughs> horrible relationship between Holden and, and Bogart. Yeah, that's very different in that sense. Yeah, like like apparently Holden came close to knocking the shit out of Bogart. And Holden dyes his hair blonde. I mean, I'm just like, it's a stretch, but it's like, it's ultimately... It's it's as oh, it's a fun movie though. I love Sabrina's movie. as as um, as developed as Pocket Full of Miracles, but not nearly as much fun. I have to say this: as much as I do love the movie Sabrina, it's one of the few movies that got a had a remake that I didn't that didn't bug me. Well, I was actually going to say that with Greg Kinnear and, and Harrison Ford, it's that's that's kind it's of my point. It's not that it's a horrible movie; it's like you don't really care that it's remade. No, 
No, no. I, I got, mean, uh, there are a lot of movies that upset me. It pains me to say this because it did upset shot me. Shot for shot of Psycho. And then it, Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. This pains me to say this, but I feel kind of, I have to say I feel the same way about Ocean's Eleven. I, I wanted to look at the remake. It didn't try to copy that movie. It was like almost a different movie. But yeah. Yeah. Knocking over a casino it was fucking fine. all it had in common. It was fine. And it had all the other sort of the tropes, if you I mean it had yep. all the all the things that made the first one great, but except a much better story for uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> much better execution. So. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. The one that if you really want to feel bad, go see the Magnificent Seven remake. No, oh, I won't do it. God. No, thank you. Oh, Which is so itself a remake. Upsetting. Right. Anyway, so yeah, Roman Holiday. I mean, we're not breaking any new ground here, but I think we're breaking ground, new ground for some people. Can I move I to the next any, movie? Yeah, please. I don't know that anybody has. I can't remember. I don't know anybody. I've never heard anybody have an opinion about this movie. About the next one? Yeah, not about the next one. Yeah, 1967's <gasps> Wait Until Dark. Wait Until Dark, which was a play, and it's obvious that it was a play. We're gonna go into that really hard in a minute here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of like I'm trying to think. It's it's a little like um. Uh, what the fuck Sleuth. is it? The Carnage, uh, based on the Guards of Con- um, it, The, the right. story's Carnage, not the same. Right. In that, like, the filmmakers did this. Let's do, like, one exterior shot, just to call it a movie instead of a filmed play. Right. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, fa- it's a movie. By the way, it's a, one of those movies that I like a lot, even though if you press me, I'm I can't exactly tie all the, the, the bows together as to what's happening in that movie. I came away from it going, meh. It was kind of a meh movie for me. There's a what? couple of there's a couple of very specific reasons for Are it. Are you blind? What's that? Go no, ahead. I'm going to wear my sunglasses instead. Um, I think the, the best, uh, for me, the absolute best thing in the movie is yeah. kind of Alan Arkin's overacting. I kind of loved him. I didn't, it took me a minute to recognize him, frankly. Well, first of all, Richard Grenna only overacts in movies, so yeah. he's per, he's spot on there. Right, right, right. Jack Weston. I always love Jack Weston. No, who is Jack Weston? Jack Weston's a fatty. You probably remember mostly from the Thomas Crown Affair. Got it. Okay. Yeah, um, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. I don't know if Ephraim ever, Zimbalist Jr. Is it Ephraim? Yeah. I don't know that I've heard the name. I don't know if I've ever seen anything else. He's fine. He's he was in like everything on TV in the seventies for a while. Okay, uh, I forget the woman's name. I should look it up right now. But the woman, Audrey Hepburn. She's no. a nice <laughs> What's her name? Oh, right, Audrey Hepburn. No, Samantha Jones, who is like one of the best looking human beings on the planet. Mm, okay. Small role. <gasps> Get the oh fuck out Lamp of here. Lamp played Lamp. No, no, no. This is, I, I swear to God. Wait, this is a little not, girl somebody This is know? not planned. The, I'm looking at IMDb just to sort of look over the cast and make sure I don't forget anyone. Mm-hmm. As boy, hold on a second. As boy tossing ball uncredited, I kid you not, Robbie Benson. Nice, well played, sir. So this this is the best movie he's been. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> Fair. Okay. Oh, Mel Mel Ferrer also uncredited as, as a French Canadian radio speaker. All right, people wanted it on this movie somehow. But look, I thought it was a. I give it a, a strong three, maybe even three and a half. I thought it was tense, terse. I thought this was a movie that was sort of like this is the movie that most suffered from be, having been a play previously, for me. It's got to me. It's really go on. It's like it's like a poor man's sleuth, because it's as complicated as sleuth. But I'm never confused by sleuth. As complicated as it is, this one I'm I'm like eighty percent. I understand what's happening, and twenty percent I'm like what? <laughs> well, okay. So this movie again. So it started off as a go play. Ahead. Yeah. What I think really sold the play. I'm sure this, the play was very very popular. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't have made a movie out yep, of it. Yep. What sold the play? I think was like the like the the last act sort of stage production. The lights, like that, must have been yeah. f- fascinating. That must have been really cool. Yeah, in in a play, and I think that that ending there sort of 
got you through all the other stuff where you go, why the fuck did they make that choice? Which is common to do in a play. That's the way plays work. But in most in most plays, I can, and even plays that get made into movies, yeah. I'm capable of, I'm getting fooled, or I overlook, yeah. like, my sense of, uh, my, you know, my suspension of disbelief doesn't get tortured. Yeah. This movie had a number of very hard suspensions of disbelief. Well, let's get to that in a second, but I just want to add to something you said about the, st- <coughs> the stagecraft or the, the setting or the staging itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What really I could see worked as a play is all the little nooks that they make use of in this right. apartment, which right. is the setting. And I actually thought that floated in the film as well. I, I don't think any of it was bad. I still was like, you know, okay, so we have a darkened apartment. Suddenly, the you know, the refrigerator door, which has been Chekhov's gun the whole fucking movie because it keeps making noise and right. being broken. But they open up the door and suddenly it's lighting like the perfect part of the stage. I mean, that was really uh, brilliant. And I think it was reasonably well done in here. Yeah. But I think that was like what really, I think that's what made it like such a hit uh, more than anything else. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I wanted to hear two things from you. Eventually, I want to hear um, the suspension of disbelief problems, but you should probably outline the film for us. Yes, absolutely. So go ahead. What's the story about? All right. So the International Jewish Conspiracy. Uh-huh. I'm uh-huh. All right. So uh, this uh, group of uh, the small group of people is smuggling heroin into from Canada of all fucking places to New York City. Mm-hmm. Oh, which Canada! Is a perfect place to bring it. Sure. And uh, the the woman, decide, the woman who's doing the smuggling, the mule, if you will, I don't know if they called it then, mm-hmm. that then, but uh, she's uh, she's got a little like do- a little doll, porcelainish doll, mm-hmm. and it's uh, crammed to its gills with uh, delicious heroin. So she takes an airplane down into New York City, but apparently she wants to go solo, maybe sell this on her own because she's a moron, and so she stops. So she stops like, and so she, the person who's her contact in New York, is waiting for her. She sees that person and decides to go with Plan B, which. Is to talk some other person into holding onto the doll. Ephraim, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Ephraim, right? sorry, Zimbalist Jr. Yeah, yeah. Ephraim. Ephraim. Um, yeah, he's uh, he is a very small part in this movie. Yep. But um, yeah, so him, and so so he walks off with the doll, and then she, and then we're introduced to um, a couple of I guess con men is really sort of what they actually are, but criminals in general. Yeah. Um, who have are being sort of. Um, this is Jack Weston and and Richard Crenna. Right. Uh, they're being um, hired essentially to find the doll in the uh, in the apartment yeah. where the husband took it. Go for the rest. Well, see, I, that's the problem is it keeps falling apart for me. So it's like I don't know. Like this is sort of like remember we talked about Bullet, which is a movie we love, and we discovered like there's a couple of things I'm really not sure I, after yeah. all these years. I've seen Wait Until Dark. I, this might be the second or third, maybe third time I've seen My it. First. Yeah. Well, okay, so. Um, I don't really understand Alan Arkin's role in interceding here. Has he just learned about it and therefore wants to get the heroin for himself? So you want to get to this right now, do you? <laughs> well, <that's, laughs> the suspension of disbelief parts that I well, was so, having okay, a hard so, time. Okay, about. well, first of all, let's all say right. this. Audrey, it's Ephraim. Ephraim. Mm-hmm. He drops the doll, doll off because the woman's given it the to him. The central conceit, conceit of the entire play is that Audrey Hepburn's character, his wife, yeah. is blind. She's blind. And by the way, the, the woman, the Lisa, who dropped, who gave him the porcelain doll, mm-hmm. Ephraim, um, she ends up dead in that very same apartment. Yes. They find her in the closet, which to me, I don't really understand that either. It makes no sense. I she, do. She went to the apartment while no one was there to retrieve the doll. I guess two people and found Alan her Arkin's there. character stabbed her. And hung her in the closet, but 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 I, I don't really follow this either because what's is Alan Arkin is clearly not working with Richard Crenna and and Jack Weston. Right. So how does he even figure into that? How did he even know about it? Presumably he's from he's representing the people who want the heroin back. Yeah, which is in the doll. 
And these two are just a couple of schmucks who had worked with the stabbed girl previously. <laughs> oh, so they were her plan B. No, apparently no. I don't think so. so then how they the, had just both gotten out. Of, they had both just gotten out of prison. Yeah. I have no idea if she knew about it, but but you're turning but, me around in this movie a little yeah, bit. Okay, the more so you do, Alan Arkin, tell, once you understand it, yeah. uh, Alan Arkin basically uh, hires them to yeah. find this in the thing, and the, since they're con men, yeah. that's how they go about it. Trying to con okay. their way into the apartment and find excuses All to right. search. The All apartment. of that is kind of stupid, but but the thing is. I still like the whatever gets us to this point. Ephraim Zemblis Jr. is now gone. He's on a road trip, or I don't know what the hell he's doing. He's well, out of there. Well, Alan Arkin's character keeps sending him on wild goose chases to okay. get him out of the house. So, so we Audrey, can't do it with a blind lady because she didn't have a can dog. You keep pounding the table. Are you going to like Morse code? Your okay, let's go. All right. So, so, so Audrey Hepburn's blind. She's there. There now. By the way, this is. It's obvious that Ephraim Zemblis Jr. has a daughter who dislikes her. Okay, but I don't. That, that confused me too because is she the is she the upstairs girl? Yeah. Well, why the fuck does she care about Audrey Hepburn? Why is she so shitty to her? Why would a neighbor go go into the house mm. of this blind? Okay, mm. all right. Okay, so we'll put that. Okay, aside. so all right. So, so but anyway, like, let me. Just she's get like the, the hired like. babysitter of the building, and so uh, so she helps Audrey Hepburn do things. But she doesn't like her. No, she's an. Well, no, no. She's, a she's more likely wants. She wants to rusty trombone uh, Efren Zumbles Jr. Who doesn't? Ah. All right. So, but, but anyway, I'm getting past all this nonsense, which is it's making me think a little. Now it's down to three or two and a half stars. But the point is, I do like this. Somehow, when Jack Weston and Richard Crenna as a team mm-hmm. are working initially against Alan Arkin, who is kind of menacing. He's overacting, but he's menacing. He's, he's over, I like the fact that he's playing like a uh, like a tough beat. Bean or something yeah. like that. All right. We got the T right. shades and the little Picks jacket. his teeth with a, a switchblade. I like the guy. So, <laughs> so the weirdest switchblade ever. Okay. So they're trying to get the, the, the thing from her, a blind woman, which makes them creeps. He's trying to get the thing from her, a blind woman. Now, Alan Arkin is is trying to fight Krenna and Weston. They decide all to work together and they, they devise this complex system of signaling. Um, by by turning the lights on, shifting the shades, and, a, and another Morse code thing. There's a there's a telephone booth across the street. They're coming. In. This is why how it's like Sleuth. Tell me because when this comes into focus. Because Jeff. she's <laughs> because she's blind. They keep coming in one by one and putting on different accents. Ah, there I am. Bah, 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 bah. Pretending to be different people and confusing her. That's what I like. The menacing of a blind woman. For some reason, it's entertaining. Right. I get that. I get that. that no, and I, and I understand that is like the, that is one of the like kind of the central conceit of the whole thing. Yeah, I guess it's not as good as I thought it was. And once you put a bunch of quarters in a sock and hit her on the head, no, that's not good. <laughs> why? <laughs> what are you talking about? Wait, you say why not just go in there and kill? Because they need to not kill her, knock her out. They don't tie her where, up. They don't know where the doll is. That's the whole point. She's right. hidden the doll. Right. Torture her. Get the, there's all kinds of answers that a criminal would actually do, and none of them are what happens in this play. That's where I. That's where it starts. Fall, it falls down very heavily on me at that part. Like, yeah, but go, let me go back to Sleuth. Couldn't you say the same thing about Sleuth? What's that? Couldn't you say the same thing about Sleuth? No, that's a different premise. No, because you had to get down, led exactly down that little primrose path. So both of them. Yes. So I don't. You know, that's where, I, like I said, like certain things kind of, like just right there, it falls apart for me right there. Like the fact that they wouldn't do that. Why would, why would anybody do that? And I, I like the fact that at one point near the end, like Alan Arkin yeah. points out what a clown college has been going on here all night. Yeah. He's right. I mean, it's, it, was, it was an absurd thing, right? I'll just need, you know, Hoover vacuum cleaner. By the way, she didn't have it in the apartment initially. The little girl upstairs had what? 
the uh, oh the doll. the doll. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. But no, that's not who gives a shit. Yeah, it was upstairs in another. It was in another place. It's of, the journey, not the destination. <laughs> yes. But yeah, you're kind sometimes of, the journey is a little you know, bit through you, the woods. Speaking here. of journey, you're kind of convincing me that this is not a great movie. Oh, it's a great play because it has all the elements you want in a play. This like, is somebody did enough this... act things running around the stage and being fucking interesting and choreographed to draw you into it, so you overlook the weird shit. And then, the, like I said, that stage eating at the end—I'm sure was—I thought it was remarkable in the movie. It would have been great on a fucking stage. But, yeah, mm, man. You know, somebody did this to me with um, Nicolas Cage's Pig. I saw that uh, six months ago. This oh. is a great movie, and someone sat me down and did what you were well, doing right Joker, now, Joe. But you know. What, did what you did you're doing now no no, no. I'm talking about it again do what you're doing now and then just turn me around on it yeah. and you're doing it you're doing a good job I'm not I don't like. here's the thing I don't hate this movie it's not but as it's great as I thought not a great movie it isn't a great it's a good idea it falls apart and I think one of the one of the kind of more interesting things and we were touching on this when we were talking about Roman Holiday in the beginning of Audrey's career uh-huh. there comes a point in every like actor who's basically their careers to date has been based on their looks they're where they want to be taken as a serious actor she's still good looking in it oh she's got all that going for her but I think this That's is her blind. attempt like yeah well she's got like being a blind actor you know that, that, that there's a bit of cred in, in doing something like that and I think that was Kind of, that, that's what motivates an actor like this to go do this it's like it, Marilyn did Niagara they want to be taken seriously as an actor I get that but here but, yeah. but she is no Catherine Hepper well Marilyn's a whole we, I mean I can't wait to do that episode because the whole period in her life with Lee Strasberg like like she actually made a, a genuine switch to try to be serious yeah. about things yeah, yeah. Hepburn is doing something I think you, there, eventually there came a day when Charlize Theron could do Monster and it's like on on paper it's like oh great the pretty girl's uh, dressing ugly but she's actually really good if you can get someone who's genuinely as beautiful yeah. mm-hmm. as Charlize Theron or Audrey Hepburn to be monstrous it is worthwhile, but she's not monstrous in this. You're supposed well, to be blind, so hold on, maybe. <laughs> she's damaged. She's a broken a product for sure. Oh, and I do have to point out another thing that I think would really work well is the physical choreography between her and Alan Arkin near the end. It did work out well. That was pretty scary stuff. Yeah, he was really he was a good. He kind was of menacing. There. Yeah, I know sure. that you're right. He was. I really loved his character around. the most, even though again, like I said, he was really chewing the scene, but I fucking loved him. Richard Crenna, I mean, honestly, you could have put him on the San Pablo and and with these lines from this movie, and it would have been the same to me. He, it never matters what he says; he's just he's just bebopping and scatting in his Richard we Crenna just way. Needed a dad. We need a dad, a dadish sort of, a, but a kind of a cool dad character. Put him in this movie; he's he's perfect for that. But Jack Weston, I gotta <laughs> tell you, I never I kind of loved am him disappointed too, by Jack Weston. He's always let, let me. Was let me, he like the uh, the other character in uh, uh, the, the the blind deaf mute in um, Heart Is a Lonely Hunter? No, no, but but oh, I'm glad you mentioned that though because it's a great movie, a great movie. Same year, Alan Arkin. He was on a he was on a tear. He point. was on a motherfucking tear. Now, did you know that he was a founding member of the Second City? Alan Arkin. Yeah, I did not know That's that. That's pretty cool, actually. Jack Weston. Let me just go through what Jack Weston was in. Uh, Thomas Crown Affair. He was in A New Leaf. Um, uh, not that much actually. For some reason, I thought there was more. He was in uh, the Village People's uh, Can't Stop the Music. Well, okay. I mean, I'm sorry. Right, the Four right Seasons there. with Alan Alda. No, 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 no. You stop at the Village People. And stop finally, uh, Dirty Dancing, and he died after making uh, Short Circuit Two. What a great, what a story career. And the, the Dirty Dancing was he the lake? What the hell was he? Oh no, I think I know the character. Okay, all right. He was in something else I really liked. I can't find it though. Cincinnati Kid. 
Gladiator. I'm, I think I've seen that movie twice. I, kind so of love it, again? But I don't remember much about it. That's what we should do because I think you and I, here's what we should focus on. Well, I mean, I should, I should right hit, here in the gut. I should hit stop on this. But anyway, what we should focus on is this. I agree that Anne Margaret was hot cha cha. But in that movie, yeah. Tuesday Weld for me, baby. All the all Tuesday. Way. All Tuesday, all the time. <laughs> no Weld's Day. All right, Tommy. Yeah, cool, man. I, I just, okay, so I like I said, it feels like I'm Into just tearing this movie down. Yep. What? Um, but um, it just I couldn't. I couldn't. It was just. Yeah. Way, it was. It was. It was incredibly obviously a play. I think I was hooked in by the premise too much. Yeah, I, I get that. I think most people were, but I think like it's just like there's just parts of it that just fell apart for me hard. Also, that little girl. I wanted to kill her. Like. Oh yeah. Well, she's tormenting a blind woman. I don't care. Fucking you. Ugh. And yeah. then she, and then Audrey Hepburn's character apologizes. What the hell are you doing? You should catch that kid by its, by its little. There's something about the way that you and I were raised that enrages us when kids are uh, in control. Jealous, aren't we? I think that might be it. <laughs> <laughs> you still don't have control. Okay. All righty, Tommy. All right. Joseph. Good stuff, sir. Good stuff. Audrey Hepburn. Thumbs up. Obviously, Roman Holiday. Obviously, absolutely, and I'm going to go two stars on. I'll, I'll go two stars on. Uh, uh, still, I'll, maybe I'll go three, just to be a, a little contrarian or whatever. But, but, uh, and by the Imperial way, since, since we're here and it may not fit into other things, and, and we we agreed that we'll do breakfast at Tiffany some other time. Let's give a look a little shout out to some other good uh, Hepburn movies. I like uh, Funny Face, great movie. Is she in that? I thought that and was Star. Streisand. No, I'm thinking Funny Girl. Funny Girl. Funny Girl. Okay, well, uh, Funny Face. <laughs> She's good. She's great in Funny Face. Mm-hmm. I like Charade too. I love. I, I really do love Sabrina. It's just got a very soft spot in my heart for that thing. Yeah. Yeah. All righty, buddy. I mean, it's all my favorite actors in it, really. All of them. Yeah, all the male. Some of my favorite lead actors. Holden is one of my best. Yeah. One oh, of my best. One of my best. All right. Good way to end it. All right. Love you. Love you. Bye. Later. Oh. Uh, all right. Later. Oh yeah.